Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and in love. Amen. Word of God for our special consideration this Reformation Sunday is found in our Gospel lesson, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you remain in my word, you are really my disciples. You will also know the truth. The truth will set you free. This is the gospel of the Lord. Dear fellow heirs of the Reformation, Martin Luther had a problem. He wasn't free. Now, I honestly can't recall if he actually spoke of his problem in those terms, but that was the reality of it. He wasn't free. And he wasn't at all alone in being that way. He was perhaps just a bit more aware of it than most of his contemporaries. And we're not talking about political freedom. At that point in history, (laughs) that was hardly even something people talked about. We're talking about a much more important lack of freedom, one that affected rich and poor alike, peasant and powerful alike. And Luther felt it strongly because he so wanted to be free. Free of guilt. Free of shame. And perhaps most of all, free of the bondage to sin that he lived under, which every day led him, like everyone else, to break God's laws and fail to do good. The church of his day told everyone, including Luther, that the solution to the problem was actually pretty simple, though hardly easy. Do good. Do more good. Do even more good and keep on doing good. And once you are good enough for God, you could be confident that your sin no longer would be an obstacle and you could be free of it. But that never-ending, always-driving push to do more and more good was itself bondage. Because no one could ever really be sure that one had done enough. And there was always something more, something better, something beyond that one had to reach before relaxing and saying, I've made it now. God can be happy with me. So it was a a dual bondage. Sinners were captive to their sin and at the same time enslaved to a master that always demanded more and never allowed a rest. Of course, there were people in Luther's day who considered themselves free. They Maybe, maybe they were rich and powerful nobles or churchmen who figured that rules and laws were for the common people. Or perhaps they were more regular folk who, who simply decided that they had better ideas about how to live and followed their own philosophies, which let them live free of others' expectations. So whoever they were, they did whatever they wanted, 
as much as they could, and, and they neither worried about their sins nor felt any obligation to live anything like a virtuous or pious life. They thought they were free, but they too were still in bondage. Doing what they wanted meant giving their sinful natures control, and they were therefore captive to it captive to sin, perhaps even more enslaved to their desires than the most pious monks and nuns were enslaved to their regimens of rules, rights, and self-deprivation. So the situation in Luther's day was actually quite a bit like the situation in Jesus' day. The people weren't free. It wasn't the political reality that the Roman Empire ruled over the Jews. It was the spiritual reality. They were in bondage to their sin and to the law. And the worst part of it was that many or or most of them didn't even realize it. They thought that since they'd never been anyone's physical slaves, that they were free but the slavery that their souls were in was worse because it allowed them no real peace or joy in this world and meant terror and torment for them in the next. The Pharisees who were sparring with Jesus in our gospel today considered themselves the most knowledgeable people around where sin and the law were concerned, but they were in fact the most ignorant of both, which made them ignorant of their ignorance. They were using their increasingly more hostile questions to Jesus to try to show how superior they were, and he was using his increasingly more pointed responses to try to show them how wrong they were and how much they needed to repent of their arrogance, to lose their blindness, and to find True freedom through trust in the Lord's grace and in Him. But they, with few exceptions, and most of their fellow Jews still followed them, they preferred to pretend that outward obedience to all their Jewish laws, both the ones that God had actually given them through Moses at Mount Sinai and the ones that the Pharisees had piled up and on top of them since, Well, they preferred to think that outward obedience to the law was all they needed to escape the reality of sin and earn God's favor, which they also figured was theirs by right anyway, since they were descendants of Abraham. Both the Pharisees and those who followed them were as much in bondage to such obedience as the tax collectors and sinners that they looked down on were in bondage to their disobedience. As the Apostle Paul, a former Pharisee himself, points out in Romans 3, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Which means that trying to achieve the righteousness required for eternal life through obedience was and remains a constant, never-ending, never-fulfilled attempt to reach a perfection that is impossible this side of heaven. 
because every one of us is a sinner. And this bondage leads inevitably to one of two results, with people sometimes bouncing back and forth between the two, even on the same day. Either a willful arrogance that ignores one's failings and says, you know what? I'm great. God has to like me because I'm so good. And that's both wrong and an offense to the Lord. Or the other option, the other place where such bondage ends us up, is with a terrified despair that recognizes the impossibility of perfection and sees no hope for salvation from death and hell, no matter how hard one tries. Well, what was true for Luther and what was true for the Jews of Jesus' day is true for us today. By nature, none of us are free. And by practice, we tighten the chains that bind us by sinking deeper into sin and by seeking salvation on futile terms. Everyone's familiar with, with how that works, though not so many ever really want to think about it. Perhaps as a child, your mother tells you to clean your room, but you don't feel like it, so you don't. That's a sin. And then later that day, she asks you if you did it, and you're caught. So you lie and say you did. That's another sin on top of the first. And then she comes and checks and confronts you. And so you tell her, well, I meant that I was going to do it soon. I just got busy and, and I wanted to finish my homework first. Another lie another sin. And then she gives you a command that you cannot ignore, and you are forced to finally clean your room. But you seethe with resentment the whole time, complaining about how unfair it is that you can't do what you want, and being angry at your mom because she won't let you. More sins added on top of the pile with the first. Or maybe we should say, more links added to the chain that binds you in your guilt, making escape ever more impossible. And it works the other way, too. You may not call it that, but you, you set yourself a code to live by. There is good that you commit yourself to doing, and evil you plan to oppose and avoid. And you tell yourself that by keeping to that code, you show yourself to be a good person. But in the first place, since you decided for yourself what the rules were, you can never be certain that you got them right. Will they actually get you to heaven? So you have to try harder to feel that you do. And then there's the fact that even though you purposely chose rules that you thought wouldn't be too hard to follow, you still break them. You lose your temper with a loved one. You never get around to actually helping at the homeless shelter. You still find traces of what you consider racism in the way that you deal with people. And the only solution you see is just trying harder. And 
maybe even making yourself some new rules in order to make it harder to break your original ones. It's bondage, you see. You are not free. So what you need is not a new plan. It's not more willpower. Nor do you need some kind of release from all rules to, to live under some kind of libertine anarchism that simply enslaves you more than you were before to your sinful desires, ideas, and urges. None of these things will set you free. What you need, instead of all these false hopes, these lies and plans and deceptive desires, what you need is truth. You need to know and confess the truth that you are a sinner deserving of death and hell and utterly unable to save yourself. You need to recognize the truth that trying to make yourself righteous enough to satisfy God is a completely different thing from being righteous enough to satisfy yourself or impress other people. And you don't have the power to do it because you are not perfect and God demands perfection. Now those truths show you the reality of your bondage. But the most important truth is the one that actually sets you free. That in Christ and by grace, God has taken away the sins of all the world. And all who put their trust in Jesus are given His perfect righteousness and with it, eternal life in heaven. Precisely because none of us could ever merit salvation on our own, And because God loves us with an undying and immeasurable love, He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. When we look to and trust Christ's cross and empty tomb, He gives us forgiveness, new life, and salvation, which we take hold of by faith, which is also God's gift. This is grace. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus came for. And this is the truth that sets you free. And if the Son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. This truth matters. But the truth that is the gospel does not stand alone. It is the truth necessary for our salvation. But those who are saved, who trust in the Lord, cannot be satisfied only with the minimum. So much more matters. So we listen to Jesus, everything that He has to say. And when He tells us to remain in His Word, that we understand that that means that we hold on to all of the Scriptures and hold on to all of it as true, as truth that matters. And that, he tells us, makes us really his disciples. It also makes us stand out. 
stand out in a world that does not like to be reminded that it is in bondage or that thinks it owns the only way to freedom. This is why Jesus met such opposition from the Pharisees and others among the Jews. He was seen as a a spiritual revolutionary by preaching freedom. Freedom that wasn't earned by good works done under their authority, but was given after repentance and through faith in God's grace. Tragically, the truth that sets sinners free indeed was largely lost over the centuries, covered up by false teachings and misguided piety and practice, because Satan is always promoting lies, and human nature is always looking to take for itself what only God can give. And that's why we rejoice and thank God so deeply and and celebrate every year that the Holy Spirit led Martin Luther to rediscover the truth of the gospel. Luther felt his bondage keenly. He entered the monastery because he thought that there he would serve God in holiness. But the harder he tried, And the more he studied the Scriptures, the less he saw any hope that he could ever be holy. Nothing worked. Not extra effort, not abuse of his body, not painstaking confessions to his priest. He could not break free because he was trying to do it all himself. And then the truth did what he could not. The Holy Spirit led him to the Word, the the same words that Christ told us to listen to and remain in. And what Luther saw, he believed. And the bonds that held him in slavery to sin and the law were broken. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 3. Now, completely apart from the law, a righteousness from God has been made known. The law and the prophets testify to it. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all and over all who believe. The Reformation that began in earnest with Luther being set free was all about him preaching and promoting the truth that sets sinners free. And since it was all about the truth And it wasn't based merely in one man's ideas or opinions. It had power and permanence. The things of God tend to be that way. Sadly, as you are well aware, not everyone listened. The Roman Catholic Church fought back. They didn't like this revolutionary new freedom. And other reformers followed who who led in other directions toward new rules that reimposed chains that the true teaching of the Reformation, which is the true teaching of the Word of Christ, had removed, and others led toward false freedoms, which were not good news at all. And so today we have people both inside and outside the Christian church calling their bondage freedom and calling our freedom bondage. Because it actually requires holding on to something as true and thinking that that matters. We, we get called Pharisees because we actually think that 
Christ's disciples should listen to and follow what he says. And those who call us that completely miss the irony. And yet, such people and others give themselves over to causes and worldviews that, that rule their lives, give them guilt, and bring anguish to others. And they call themselves the champions of freedom. But we know, we know that truth matters because it is God's truth and it is the truth that sets us free truly free in the only ways that ultimately matter. And so we will readily and eagerly remain in Christ's Word and trust Christ's Word and let it guide and enrich and, and liberate our lives. We will point to the Scriptures as, as Luther did at the Diet of Worms, what we have on the front of our bulletin today. And we will stay with Him. Here, here on the Word of God, here on what Christ says, I will stand. I can do no other thing. We will hold to the Bible in all of its abiding truth, purity, and relevance because it matters to God and it matters for us and it matters for everyone and it is true. We will truly be Christ's disciples, and we will be truly free forever. Alleluia. Amen. Please rise. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all time, now, and to all eternity. Amen.